Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. The Barbecue Central Show is supported in part by these great sponsors. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices and barbecue pits. Their website is thebbqguru.com. Also, Butcher Barbecue, maker of injections, rubs, and sauces. Their website is butcherbbq.com. And by Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop online shop for anything in the barbecue and grilling industry to include world championship winning rubs. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. And by Cookshack, maker of pellet and electric cookers. You can visit them at cookshack.com. Also, Chops Power Injector System. Three different size injectors to choose from. Find out more at barbecuekansascity.com, and that's barbecue, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and versatile cookers out there on the market. Visit them at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Smithfield, the biggest name in pork, bringing you great opportunities this barbecue season. Get Smoking with Smithfield and their grant program and committed cooks program. Learn more at smokingwithsmithfield.com. And by Green Mountain Grills, some of the finest pellet cookers on the market. Their website, greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cooking Pellets, manufacturer of wood pellets to fire wood pellet cookers. Their website is cookingpellets.com. You can also purchase on Amazon.com as well. And finally, by Unknown Barbecue Supply, makers of lid hinges, chimney grillers, and much more. You can visit their website, unknownbbq.com slash shop. Use promo code REMPY for 15% off your entire order. All right, good evening, and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. And we are currently broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. Each and every week, I'm telling you that we have a show, The Lights You Have Never Seen, and this week is certainly no different before I tell you who's going to be showing up here during the course of the next two hours. In case you want to get in touch with the show, I would love to have you make that attempt through a phone call or email, and this is how you can do it. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQCentralShow. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, TheBBQCentralShow.com. And here's what's happening in case you need to get the newsletter. Coming up in about 13 minutes from now. The third Tuesday of the month, regular recurring guest. That might be a little bit redundant. Stephen Reichlin joining us. Always appreciate Stephen stopping by. And then at 9.35, Sam's Club 2017 getting ready to kick off this coming weekend in Daphne, Alabama. So, no better time to have on Mike McLeod, MMA Creative. 
partner to KCBS and the Sam's Club Tour, of course, uh, as well as getting a number of other na- uh, name brand sponsors with KCBS. And then creator of the World Food Championships, which I'm sure we'll talk about with him as well as we start that road to victory in November coming up. And then we'll move to the second hour. The guinea pig, the Matt Dalton Memorial guinea pig, took place this past weekend. And we'll talk to the guy that won that one, Dennis McGrath from Porky Tears. He will be joining us, recapping that event, talking about the cook, talking about his background. If you're not familiar with Dennis, stay tuned for that. It's going to be an exciting conversation. And then at 1035, the official sauce and rub reviewer of the Barbecue Central show and fiery foods expert, Scott Roberts, will be joining us here to do three new Kingsford sauce reviews. A handful of weeks ago, I was given a bag of Kingsford charcoal, the new extra long burn charcoal that they have out on the market. I actually don't know if it's technically available for sale yet. I believe the Weber charcoal that I got a couple weeks ago, I actually got a second bag of that. That might have been an error on Weber's part, but I certainly appreciate the error. That, I believe, at least in certain parts of the country is available for sale right now. So if you've tried it out, I would love to get your feedback on it. I'm going to be doing a rather extensive test on the Kingsford and the Weber head-to-head as soon as I have a weekend that, A, the weather is decent, and I have the time. Last weekend, the weather was decent. Uh, I just did not have the time. No. I was in Chicago playing volleyball. Well, I was not playing volleyball, but my oldest was. And uh, we were there watching the team cheering on in support because, you know, she has the broken finger. Uh Nothing more fun than driving out to Chicago and sitting in a dome and watching volleyball and your daughter not play with a whole bunch of colleges out there watching (laughs) those kids play. Love that. So... There will be a charcoal review coming up sooner than later. Very controlled, very meathead-esque, if you will. Uh, Hey, let everybody know that the show is on the air. Please do me that favor. Get on the Facebook, get on the Twitter, the Instagram, Google+. If you use that, does anybody use Google+. I know I ask that every once in a while, but I just wonder. Here are some websites to send them to. Audio only of the show, thebbqcentralshow.com. You can also send them to the longtime video syndication partner of the show, OutdoorCookingChannel.com, which some of you are watching as well. Now, let me say this. You can also get the video feed on my Facebook page, but I have to caution you. There is kind of that scrolling chat on the Facebook. I do not monitor that, not even for one second. I don't. So please don't. Well, Feel free to interact with anybody that is watching through the Facebook feed. I'm more than happy to have you guys interact with each other. But if you're looking for my direct feedback, I do not watch that chat. I don't even have it up. I just know I'm streaming there. Magically, it happens. Now, I'll go into the comments after the show and react to some if I feel it needs reacting to or commenting on or liking, if you will. But not during the show. There's enough going on here with all this other stuff. If you want to chat with me, go to the OutdoorCookingChannel.com, log in, and take place with the chat here. This is like the original chat form. I call it the show within the show. Head on over if you want to interact with some very popular barbecue people and some very savvy and fanatical centralites. John Dawson weighing in from Patio Daddy BBQ because he sees my Horse Meat 2017 t-shirt. 
we need a Harry to Horse interview about horse meat. John, I don't disagree. Uh, I've been trying to chase down Harry for at least the last three and four weeks. We're very rapidly leading up to the Triple Crown, which is, of course, his favorite part of the year, as we all know. So I'm sure he's doing a lot of due diligence and has just become perhaps conveniently unavailable, especially if he actually listens to the show and realizes that I'm trying to start the conversation about potentially legalizing horse meat as a potential alternative to what's available out there on the market today. And that's all the shirt is really talking about. We're not trying to make people eat it. We just want it to be an option. But it's currently illegal, so it can't be an option. It's illegal. It's like heroin or weed or pot. I mean, nobody does that. That's illegal. Nobody does it. The good news is this. The first set of horse meat t-shirts are out to South Dakota. They were one last week. And I can tell you this. I can tell you this. Look at that. This is a green pen. You can barely see it. It blends right in. See that? It's green. Now it's not. Anyway. Like a cat with a squirrel. A squirrel. The first set of horse meat 2017 t-shirts are in South Dakota. As a matter of fact, I believe his name was Swenny or Sweetie. Swenny, I think it was. Sweaty. He sent me pictures of himself wearing the t-shirt out in public. What actually potentially was a little troublesome. Looked like it might have been a Chuck E. Cheese. There was a lot of kids and skee-ball machines. I mean, I like skee-ball like the next guy. But they're out there and they're being worn. So here's, again, the command or the prime directive. If you're lucky enough to win one of these very exclusive T-shirts, okay, you have to wear it out in public. It's There's no use of wearing it indoors where nobody's going to ask you about it because you have decided whether you know it or not to become a spokesperson only when asked, hey, what's the deal with your shirt? To say, you know, I'm just trying to do my part to get a conversation going with my local decision makers, whoever that might be. And believe me, they don't want to talk to you. I've tried to touch base with all of the local decision makers. They have currently given me this. Hello? Hello, Sherrod Brown? Rob Portman, hello? Local Dave Joyce? Yeah. They got nothing for me, okay? You'll get the same thing. We got to keep the conversation moving. So when somebody approaches you about the shirt that you might have, you can say, hey, we're just trying to open a discussion about potentially having horse meat as an option to eat. We just want to get these initial inspections. Go. There's a lot of things to overcome. I know it. I've had multiple discussions about it over the weekend while I was in Chicago which I believe was a place where horses were once butchered, well, processed and then butchered. I could be way off base there, but for some reason, Chicago sticks in my head as at some point, not necessarily recently, but at some point might have had a horse processing plant. But having these discussions, learning that we're not here to force anything. I want to force anybody to eat horse meat. I want to have it as an option. That's it. I want to allow us to have, like, Wagyu horse. Can you imagine how great... Horses are huge animals with a lot of meat. We're just wasting it. I understand we're Americans, we're myopic, we love to waste stuff. Maybe this is not what we need to. 
John McRib was not horse meat. It's pure pork ribs. You know it. All right, gang, let me talk to you quickly about Butcher Barbecue, the easiest way to step up the barbecue and grilling game. We talked about it last week in Spanning the Barbecue Globe, or whatever the hell I called it. They have made it even easier when it comes to their injections. Before, you had powder, you had the shaker bottle, easy to measure, easy to shake. You're off and running in competitions. Now they have taken all, as Dave Bosca said of Butcher Barbecue, they have dummy-proofed it. They've made it dummy-proof. Now the pork and the beef injection comes fully shaken, fully ready to use in bottles. All you have to do is open up the bottle, stick your injector in there, draw back on the solution, and then inject. It's that easy. They have literally stupid-proofed the whole deal. Right now, pork and beef, many more flavors to follow from Dave Bosca's mouth last week. Look forward to that. ButcherBBQ.com is the place to go. Now, if you want to try Bird Booster, it's not in the pre-made bottles yet, but that's coming. Bird Booster is great for poultry. Some people love to mix it up, put it in pork or put it in beef. I mean, who knows? You got to try it yourself. See what works for you. Then you have the go-to rubs that I love. The old standbys, the steak and brisket rub, the honey rub, which I just got a five-pound bag of. Very excited about that. That ought to last me at least a month. Then, the new rubs, the triple secret blend from Dave, the pecan, the cherry, and, yes, and yes, chipotle. Try them out. Then the sauce. Oh, come on now. Here we go. The sweet barbecue sauce wins it in every category. If sweet barbecue sauce was in a sauce competition, I would hail it as GC. It's not overly sweet. Got some back-end heat. It's got some tang. No liquid smoke uh, flavor profile at all, which I certainly appreciate. Dave taking the time to make a quality sauce. Then you have the grilling oil. Dave's got everything under the sun. I mean, what are you talking about? You got to get over there right now. ButcherBBQ.com. Stock up on everything. Shipping rates are reasonable. ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. And we are back with Stephen Reichlin. From barbecuebible.com and something we're going to be talking about extensively here in the next segment. Project Smoke third season, if you can believe it or not. Already in season three, getting ready to shoot. We're back right after this. Stick around. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Smithfield. You love to barbecue and compete. You love to win. Do all three with Smithfield since 1938. Smithfield has been producing high-quality fresh pork products. Now they invite you to get smoking with Smithfield. Are you an organizer of a nonprofit, community, or sanctioned barbecue event? Apply now for the new grant program that helps support competitions across the U.S. with resources and prize money. But that's not all. If you're a cook, you can join the Committed Cooks program. Members who commit to cook with premium hand-trimmed Smithfield pork 
They'll receive swag and other great prizes as the season rolls along here in 2017. Commit to cook with Smithfield and see what's going on. Visit the website smokingwithsmithfield.com. That's smokingwithsmithfield.com. Right, my next guest is the third Tuesday regular segment guest of this show, a 2015 Barbecue Hall of Fame inductee, a TV show host, barbecue cooking class instructor, of course, multiple-time author. We race to the Smoking with Smithfield hotline. And welcome back, Stephen Reichland, to the show. Stephen, how are you, buddy? Good. How are you, Greg? Absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you making the time, as always, Stephen. And I wanted to, first and foremost, talk about something near and dear to your heart, and but not only near and dear, something very close to happening, which is, as I teased in the opening segment, the third season, the shooting of the third season of Project Smoke. So tell me about that. Well, it's a little bit like mobilizing a small army, uh, an enormous number of moving parts. We're uh, shooting this year at the Alisal Ranch and uh, Resort uh, in Solvang, California, north of Santa Barbara. So uh, we've got more than 30 different grills and smokers that are being shipped in. Wow. Uh, ingredients from all over the United States because you know what a nut I am about organic grass-fed heritage. But at the same time, we're trying to use as much, as, as much local provender as possible. Uh, we're sourcing almost all of our seafood from the Santa Barbara Bay. Super excited about that. We're in the middle of wine country, so obviously that's going to play a part. We'll do a lot of grilling over grapevines. And that's just the material stuff. Uh, then there's the crew. Uh, we're a crew of about 20 people. Uh, we have a culinary crew. We have a field kitchen that's led by uh, Chef Chris Lynch, who's been with me for the last eight shows. Uh, Rob Boss, who many of you uh, know, is our head uh, grill and smoker wrangler. He's responsible for firing up the grills, for assembling all the smokers. Uh, and there's a styling section. They measure out the ingredients, make sure it looks beautiful on camera. Uh, technical crews, we have three cameras, we have GoPros. Uh, it's, it's quite an undertaking. Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show. We're talking about the upcoming shoot for Project Smoke, the third season. Stephen, I mean, I know obviously it's a lot, but from a, like an hours standpoint or over the course of a calendar year, or perhaps the better question is once season two ends and you start to look at season three, how much time are you investing in the show versus some of the other things that you have going on, like the book writing, for example? Well, it's an enormous amount of time and I'm, Kind of, I, I'm a writer. I mean, I came up through this whole whole barbecue thing as a writer. Writer's what's on my passport. So any day when I am not writing, I don't feel like I'm earning an honest uh, day's work. But the uh, preparing for the TV show involves months and months of planning, hundreds of hours of planning, uh, and you know during the shoot, uh, which begins on Sunday. I mean, a typical day for me will start 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, getting up, doing the prep, writing the intros, uh, wardrobe, etc. And there'll be nights when we don't finish till 9 or 10 o'clock in the evening. That goes on for 10 days straight, 12 days straight. After it's done, then I go in and record the fireside chats. Uh, I have to review everything. For every half-hour show that you are watching, there uh, I mean, it's typically four or five hours of... Uh, of uh, one camera time, production time. Yeah, it's um, 
it's uh, I, th- I think people don't realize how much work goes into a TV show. It's why I Plus, love having like you and John Marcus and a lot of these guys that have been on Barbecue Pitmasters, for example. We see a 30-minute or an hour show, but there has to be an extensive amount of stuff that is either chopped out or edited down or whatever. So we see that polished product each and every week, but behind it is a whole mess of raw stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's at least... 10 hours for every hour you shoot might even be 20 hours for every hour you shoot. Wow. Uh, Steve. Um, and then don't forget also with a show like uh, project smoke, we're shooting outdoors, you know, so we're at the mercy of the elements for shooting in Southern California, which normally is beautiful, but this year they've had historic rain. So, I mean, we have to have a backup plan in case it rains, which we do. Um, we, uh, you know, it's a, a typical day. It could be, you know, 45 degrees, 48 degrees when you start could be when we were down when we were in Arizona, get to 90 degrees in the middle of the day and then drop back down into the, the 40s at night. So big temperature sweep. So Shit. from from a preparation standpoint, when you start in the day, you know, not too worried about things kind of hanging out or being outside a little longer. But once you get into the nuts and bolts of the day and it's 85, 95 degrees, like you said, how much more logistics are involved to make sure that, you know, while you need stuff out and maybe you're retaking or you have to reshoot a couple different times that everything's still safe, if you will. Oh, well, I'm a nut about that. And I'm sure you've seen in the show, every piece of raw meat that comes out on the set is over a pan of ice. Uh, and that same, uh, rigorous attention to food safety, uh, takes place in our field kitchen. It's easier in the field kitchen because they have coolers, they have refrigerators. Um, uh, it's, uh, no, I mean, you know, I, I think with the outtakes you see after the take is over, I mean, the crew comes in, dive bombs, the food, there isn't, there isn't a, a, a bone with meat on it left. When you are shooting and you're obviously very experienced now being in front of the camera, you know, start out with the barbecue university, you go to the primal grill, you've had some shows in Canada and uh, now we're doing the third season of project smoke. Once they're like action. Do you still get butter? I mean, are you nervous? Do you still get butterflies for like 10 or 15 seconds before you really start to settle down and and you're kind of finding your groove again when that red light goes on? What's it like internally for you still? Um, Well, in the very beginning, it was pure panic. I mean, they'd say action and I would just sit there speechless. Uh, (laughs) You're talking to me? You mean action me? The host? Uh, You know, at this point, I kind of know how to do it. But sure, there's always nervousness. you want to find the right words. I um, uh, This writer thing, I mean, I kind of tend to think the way I would write. So I think in sentences. Uh, I like them to be polished. I like them to be balanced. So talking off the cuff does not come easily to me. So that was just my next question. So in a, in a situation like this where I don't provide you a full list of questions, we talk a little bit about outline and some stuff like that, but you've known me now for 12 years and you know that yeah. you're going to say something. Good heavens, we were both in puberty when we started. Yeah, right? no doubt. We were, we were, well, I don't want to say we were much better looking. Of course, we're very dynamic looking still, but maybe a little younger looking, I guess. But you know, I'm going to, if you say something, I might go left or we might not even get back to the outline, whatever. So in a situation like this versus a situation on the camera, you know, I notice because I'm interviewing some other people on the camera, they never miss a beat. They never say, uh, they never say, ah, and I get them in my situation. Is it because there really is not any 
super duper prep. I just kind of give you an idea of what we might talk about because I want that visceral reaction or answer from my guest versus something that's just straightly produced like you would find on television. Sure. Well, there are a couple of things. I mean, I always start every show with a script. I usually know what I'm going to say for my intro and my outro. Once I actually start cooking, uh, it's pretty much the task at hand that generates the dialogue. But I think the biggest difference is your show is live and my show is taped. So there's a lot of editing that goes on and, uh, you know, the ums and uhs, uh, you know, they get cut out. Really? Yeah. Wow. Those are some fabulous editors. I got to be honest. Oh, they, um, <laughs> I, I mean, they, I, I can't begin to, uh, I, I can't begin to thank them or imagine their job. But uh, like my producer, Matt Cohen says, uh, you know, they, the, the editors, they, they know me better than they know myself. They know every single word, every, every facial tick, every, uh, everything that you've said twice that you can't say twice. From a menu standpoint this season, and we're jumping around, you had mentioned Grapevine because of where you're going to be at and some of the seafood. Can you talk about any specific items or at least uh, high-level topics that you're going to be covering during the season? And is it still kind of like barbecue, or is it going to be more of a departure this time from the traditional stuff? Well, one thing we're doing is uh, we're in Southern California. We've done two years of straight smoking with Project Smoke. So this year we're going to return do a return to grilling as well as uh, smoking. I mean, you'll see the classics this year, uh, but you'll also see um, you know more grilling than we've done in a while. A lot of grilling over wood. We've got some incredible new grills, some of which are just barely reaching the market now, uh, and I'm super excited about them. Uh, in terms of highlight uh, dishes. Um, uh, we're going to do a, a Texas uh, beef shoulder clod this year. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a, a tandoori leg of lamb in a, uh, in a Komodo Komodo cooker. We've got this really cool new grill called, called an art flame, which is uh, kind of think of it as a cross between a wood-burning grill and a plancha. Uh, I just learned today we're getting fresh sea urchins scuba dive by a local fisherman. So we're going to do planked sea urchin. Uh, I see you wrinkling your brow there. That kind of goes along with caviar. Uh, Uh, So this is something obviously you probably have like five times a week, but I've never had, uh, aside from hearing the term sea urchin, I don't know if I could pick one out of a lineup. Is that flavorful? Is it more of the the fishy thing? What is that? Well, uh, if you picked one up out of a uh, a lineup, especially with your finger, you would know it because it's covered with uh, razor-sharp pins. Needle sharp spines on the outside. Um, the flavor, it's in that, you know, it's the eggs of the sea urchin. Uh, so you're kind of in that caviar realm again, but the flavor is uh, quite different. It's sort of mustard colored, uh, it's briny. If you probably had it as sushi, you know, it's a popular sushi item, but at the sushi, you know, it, it's sort of all but the most extraordinary sushi bars. It has a very strong fishy flavor. This stuff is going to be amazing. I mean, this stuff. The uh, the fisherman's going to bring it on set, and I'm sure when she lifts it up, you'll just see water dripping off of it, you know, seawater. Are you a big believer in, in the planking? I know you've kind of uh, skirted the traditional idea of soaking it and soaking it and soaking it. You like to actually get a char on it first, a similar method that you're going to follow there? Yeah, absolutely, and that's an evolution for me because when I first started using a plank, I did soak it, and, you know, then it dawned on me, wait a minute, it's steam. We're cooking by steam. And, you know, steam, that's, that's a, an anathema for me. I mean, steam is the opposite of fire. I, I just don't like to steam anything. 
Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show talking about the upcoming third season shoot of Project Smoke, which can be found at projectsmoke.org. So everybody's going to get, you got 20 people or so showing up there and everybody's staying for 10, 12 days? Absolutely. Wow. So, And you know, the other cool thing about it, uh, uh, Greg, is that we, many of us have been shooting together. This will be, uh, this will be the seventh season together for most of us. So it's hooking up with old friends and you know, the extraordinary thing, how much heart and soul people put into the production. I remember last year, one of the camera guys slipped, got six stitches in his leg and two hours later he was behind the camera shooting. I mean, that's the kind of dedication, you know, people really want to make it the best show that they can. Out of all of the cookers that are going to be on set this season, is there one where if you could take it under the cover of darkness, you would take it for your very own? Well, first of all, I own most of them to begin with uh, because, uh, you know, I, I like to make sure <laughs> I use them and like them. Uh, but uh, I'm just going to actually ask you, you know, suggest people watch. I mean, one very exciting thing, you've seen me use that monster wood-burning Kalamazoo uh, grill rotisserie. The Kalamazoo just came out with a, a uh, gravity feed smoker. So I'm super excited about that. That's a brand new product. Uh, we've got some high tech stuff. I mean, we've got digitally controlled uh, Maverick thermometers. We've got, uh, I've mentioned the wood flame. Uh, you know, I'd say we, we're kind of in this high tech world, there's an awful lot of just burning wood. And, and actually, one other thing we're going to do this year, we have one show, we're going to dig a fire pit, and we're going to do, uh, do a whole segment on fire pit cooking. Old school barbecue, uh, some might very say. Very old school. Yeah, yeah very old school. Um, let me ask you about, uh, one. so let me ask you this first. After you're done completing, when do you see it as finished product for us to consume? So... Uh, the show will start airing uh, on Memorial Day. Uh, call your local uh, PBS station for details. Uh, and then it'll run for the next three months. But, you know, PBS is decentralized. By the way, uh, you know, there uh, there's some nasty talk about defunding PBS. And uh, wherever you are in the political spectrum, I hope that you uh, see the value of PBS and you'll write your local congressperson and Tell them that you don't want to see PBS defunded. What they spend on PBS a year is uh, probably roughly what it takes to keep uh, Air Force One in peanuts. You know, it's uh, it's a very small amount compared to uh, what's spent uh, in, in other parts of our budget. Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show, BarbecueBible.com, ProjectSmoke.org, a couple different websites to check out here while we're chatting. Uh, Stephen, with a couple minutes that we have left, one of the latest blog posts that I saw on your website was talking about uh, getting longer burns out of fuel, and I guess especially in a climate like we're going to be, well, that we should be in, although it's been you know 60 degrees here in Cleveland over the last handful of days, and right. a lot of other traditionally colder places have been experiencing warmer weather. But there's no such thing as climate, uh, global warming, right? We can sure deny climate right. change. Right? I know. Because, I, uh, I'll take it. Last, you know, 10 years ago, I'm sure you didn't get 70 degree, 60 degree weather in Cleveland in the middle of February. But Four hey. years ago, it was like negative 15 degrees for well, three months, right? Hello. Strange wow. coincidence that the last uh, 10 years have all been the hottest in human record, but I don't want to get too political here. Talk to me about uh, longer burns out of fuel because there are, you know, a couple different options to use, sure. briquettes and lump and so forth. Yeah, th this is so simple. I call it a top-down burn. Uh, the, I saw 
technique is often often associated with a guy named uh, uh, Min. But in effect, what you do, let's say you're cooking on a Weber Smoky Mountain or a you know big green egg, big mound of charcoal, and then you put about a half a chimney of lit coals on top of that. You close up the choke uh, the smoker, you get the the uh, vents regulated. And that charcoal will burn down very gradually. And I'm up to the point now where I can get an eight, you know, eight hour burn on one load of charcoal uh, on a water smoker, which is super convenient. One of the things that I was taught very early on, and uh, the Minion Method was taught to me, of course, is yeah. it's so when you get the Weber Smoky Mountain paper directions it tells you to fire up like one or two charcoal chimneys and just jump them in lit and off you're racing and it's like yeah. a furnace that you're trying to bring down and somebody said hey you know it's way easier to start slow and build up that temperature and then once you're there hold it instead exactly. of starting with a house of fire and trying to bring it down under some type of a control so i mean what you're saying makes perfect sense yeah it's uh you know and i will confess i mean we're always learning that's what i love about this business but I think probably when I wrote my, uh, certainly when I wrote Barbecue Bible or uh, Planet Barbecue, I was doing that hot burn and then adding charcoal every hour. Uh, but this top-down burn method, you know, it's, uh, pretty, it's, it's you know, as close to set it and forget it as you can get. Now, of course, you want to check it. You, you need to add wood periodically. Um, you want to monitor it. But I think the last thing I did, I did those big bad beef ribs on the cover of the Project Smoke book a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I, I don't. I, I loaded the uh, Weber smoker exactly one time at the beginning. Wow. All right, so Stephen's on his way to California, where they're going to shoot Project Smoke three. If somebody you know falls out with injury and you need a, a ringer out of the bullpen, Stephen, you know all you got to do is call and, and uh, let me know. I'm happy to jump on my private jet and hang out there. Well, and, there you go. You got the beard already. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I could be your stand-in. We're almost identical, for crying out loud, and two handsome devils. Uh, ProjectSmoke.org and BarbecueBible.com. Next month, we're recapping the shoot. All right, Stephen? Absolutely. Look forward to it. All right, take Thanks care. Thanks a lot. As always, great show. Stephen Reichlin is on his way to shoot Project Smoke. Version 3. All guests on the Barbecue Central Show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. So if you've been watching Stephen Reichlin low these many years on whatever version of show that he's currently shooting, what's your favorite show? Did you like Primal Grill the most? Did you like Barbecue University the most? What about Project Smoke? Uh, for me, uh, I grew up on, I used to watch Barbecue University with my mom back in Cleveland. Many, many days uh, and years ago, we would watch it, and we loved it. Hooli Hooli Chicken, he was at the Greenbrier. Is it still the Greenbrier? But that's where he – so that was like my all-time favorite show because it was like the indoctrination to Stephen Reichler. Now here he is showing up on this show once a month, and they're getting ready to shoot yet another season of Project Smoke. Somebody likes it. I can tell you that. I'm no genius, but somebody likes it. You know what else people like? Big Papa Smokers stuff, because it wins a lot. Big Papa's is the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue. All American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has made a name for itself by winning 
almost every major barbecue championship that is out there to win with their rubs. They've also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profiles that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They've even created two of their own unique competitions. The one at the end of the year, King of the Smoker. Everybody loves that. Looking for the invite. A back-to-basics competition, King of the Smoker, unique in that contestants may not use any electric device, such as pellet cookers or pit miners. Contestants only allowed to use charcoal wood in their wits to win one of the most high-stakes barbecue competitions around. Then the other one that took place this past weekend, the guinea pig. This is a cost-controlled competition that helps to bring in newcomers to competitive barbecue. It also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category. That helps provide incentive to get new competitors into the world of barbecue. But it's keeping the vets as well. Yes. On top of all that, they created the unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country to work together to promote camaraderie, competition, barbecue, and benefit children's charities. Keep in mind that Big Papa has been able to do this with about six years of being in the biz turning the competition barbecue world on its head, creating their own unique competitions, and becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, that being BJ's Restaurant and Brewhouse. Most importantly, benefiting children's charities across the country. And it continues to be just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. Mike McLeod joins me out of the break. Talk a little Sam's Club 2017. That's getting ready to kick off this weekend. Maybe some World Food Championships. Who knows what else? Maybe a little KCBS stuff. I am out to Harry the Horse for some type of reaction as well on Horse Meat 2017. So if I hear from him, I'll let you know. We'll be back right after this. Stick around. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James and Barbecue Talk. Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the Barbecue Central Show is being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. If you're cooking medium size or you have a medium-sized family, they got one there for you. Also, small to take on the tailgates, no problem. You go to GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. I love my Green Mountain Grill. You can love yours as well. Check them out. Thanks for their support. All right, the 2017 Sam's Club Series getting ready to start this weekend. Here to talk about it as well as some other barbecue topics is the president and CEO of MMA Creative and the creator of the World Food Championships, we welcome back via the Smithfield Hotline, Mike McLeod. Mike, how are you, buddy? Greg, I am great. I just had a lemon caper salmon dinner. L- Linden so, caper salmon take, dinner? Take that. <laughs> take, it, take that. Is Linden caper a thing? I don't know that. 
<laughs> no, it was lemon caper. Lemon. Oh, yeah, I've not had. Yeah, I've not had that much wine. So what are you drinking? Uh, I have a full glass of ice water. <laughs> it must have been that Tennessee uh, accent well, that that uh, snuck right by me. That or the Verizon uh, cell towers that don't always work down here. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, Mike, can you believe it that the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour started all the way back in 2011 and now gearing up for the sixth season? And so the history is there now, and it's a favorite of any number of reasons for the pitmasters across the country. But looking back, when you had initially struck that deal with Sam's, did you, just between me and you, of course, did you really envision the success uh, that ha- it has experienced over the lifetime now? No, I mean we. It was hard to to see beyond the the, the three months from that moment that we first sit down with them, and um, you know it's, I think it's a testament to just a really really uh, fortunate development. Uh, barbecue was in a great spot. I think Sam's Club became a great partner. KSBS was moving in the right direction, and and we were just trying to nudge everything along and. Uh, great things happened, uh, so it was it was good for the industry, and the industry was good to it. So it's it is pretty phenomenal to sit here and think it's heading into its seventh year. This weekend in Daphne, Alabama, the 2017 installment kicks off. Is there anything new this season that we need to know about prior to the whole kickoff on Saturday? I don't think so, uh, other than we are um, in talks about doing a TV show around this season and trying to game out with um, some very smart producers, people smarter than I am about how, how does that look? Do we, do we film it at the regionals? Um, do we try to follow certain teams through the system? Um, do we shoot a, a f- final episode, obviously at the headquarters at the championship? So we're, that's the biggest thing that I'm, uh, kind of trying to figure out strategically right now of, of how to overlay the uh, a TV component to the series. I, I think operationally uh, we're set up uh, for it to be as smooth and as strong uh, as ever. The registration process this year, the uh, the sign up process for everyone, judges and teams went went the best ever. And uh, we're fully loaded. Um, I, I, we always have a few teams that kind of drop out because of family emergencies or whatever. But um, I think we, we've got it set up for the best year yet. So we're excited about that. And we're just going to keep, um, uh, keep uh, trucking along and, and make sure that we do uh, what we've always done uh, you know, with, with our operations team, with Michael McDermott uh, as the tour director, with KCBS supporting it. Uh, at every stop of the way with volunteers along the way with great sponsors on board. So uh, all the pieces of the puzzles are, are, are there. And right now we just need to, uh, we need to deliver and the teams need to rise to the top. They need to bring their A game. So you talked about TVs. Let's explore that here for a second, because as you know, I have a vast amount of experience in television, which uh, if you add it plus one is zero. Um, do you think <laughs> from a, from a barbecue point of view and there was a, a long run of the pitmasters and the various versions before pitmasters became pitmasters you seem to have kind of found that i don't know perfect niche is the right thing to say but i'll throw perfect niche out for the world food championships but do you think at all that the country has become a little stale on 
barbecue television at this point? I would be a bad marketer if I agreed to that. Um, but I, I do I, I do think that you're on to an interesting thought, and um, I, I think it's incumbent upon anyone who's trying to program TV around um, around barbecue, which typically is not a great spectator sport. You know, that's the interesting thing about TV and barbecue over the last 10 years is that uh, it did rise to the top in TV ratings, and mm-hmm. it has had a good movement. The question now is what what keeps it moving? What keeps it interesting? Uh, what keeps it compelling TV? Is it is it personalities? Is it um, uh, funny challenges? Is it is it a series? Is it a co-branded um, oriented kind of thing? So uh, it is challenging. We we rack our brains a lot because sometimes you look at TV shows and uh, especially the networks and if the ratings aren't a certain level. You know, they just don't green light a second season. So um, smart TV people are always trying to figure out what is the next it. And I think um, barbecue is in that zone of what is the next it factor for barbecue. So hopefully we'll be a part of that solution. Um, regardless, Sam's Club Barbecue uh, Tour, which interestingly for you, I think this might be a, a news item we should talk about. All right. We, we, we found it necessary to – not necessary. We found it as an opportunity – to rebrand it this year it is now the national pro barbecue tour presented by sam's club really yes so you will see when we roll out the truck hmm. uh i think it hits the road tomorrow and it'll show up in daphne for the first time uh sam's club is kind of a secondary uh title line to it and it's because we have found that uh, this industry is starting to separate um, into categorical approaches, and we believe that having a national pro barbecue tour, which this is, and everyone I think will agree with that, uh, branding in that way will get us a lot more media attention, and it will also um, differentiate the difference between a grill master, someone who grills at home like you and I do, uh, and someone uh, um, like like um, Darren Worth and and Barry Johnson and and all of the the great guys that we know in the industry who are really barbecuers. So um, that's an interesting twist to see how does that manifest itself um, out into the into the ethos of barbecue and and cooking outdoors. Is that a sell that you have to make to Sam's Club? Is that an idea that Sam's Club is pitching out to you in order to gain a little bit more visibility and media in that regard? It was an answer to a question uh, that, you know, I I provided uh, an angle for Sam's Club to consider. And uh, the, the question that they had asked was, how do we get more media awareness and media attention around this? And, and just using our marketing experience and our news experience, uh, I know it's hard for you to believe this, but I've got, uh, I'm actually a trained journalist. Um, we, we began to realize that pitching the Sam's Club tour, when you're talking to the LA Times or Dallas Morning News or whatever it is, sounds like an advertisement mm. for Sam's Club. Mm-hmm. So we just reversed it and we tried it last year. Uh, we did some spot checks and some beta testing on it and it worked. We, whenever we pitched, these are professional barbecuers coming to town. Um, and if you want to see them, you can go over to the local Sam's club to see it. 
we we tested that and it worked. So this year we went with a, a whole new branding concept. Uh, the KCBS board agreed with the strategy. Sam's Club agreed with the strategy, and I think um, I think it's going to be an interesting year to see how much more media coverage we get for it. Not to change gears off of that, but I mean this kind of dovetails nicely into something that I've been asking pitmasters, especially the guys that have won team of the year, so KCBS related, and I'm just wondering what your take is on it. You have a very small defined number of teams that are going to put in that effort and that have the means and the vacation time and the money because maybe they're somewhat sponsored or whatever to do 35-plus events to vie for KCBS team of the year. And at the end, while the achievement is great and the recognition through the annals of history will certainly be there. doesn't really seem to be a big payoff in regards to on a Tuesday night he wins KCBS and on Wednesday he's on the Today Show and then he's over on the Food Network or she uh, and, and is kind of carted around from a media standpoint to help bring barbecue a little bit more to the forefront or say, hey, here's somebody that just did this. And, you know, there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of media push when you have a KCBS Team of the Year person, is that something that they're missing out on? Yeah, it, it's. I, I think it's a. There, there are a lot of issues in that question, and and you know I've been involved with KCBS now for eleven years. Um, I've got twenty six years of marketing experience behind me, and um, the things that I'm about to share with you or say to you do not represent the board of directors. I'm I'm not a board member. I'm uh, an advisor to the board. But I, I think we are falling short on a couple of things. Number one, I think the KCS team of the year ought to get the biggest prize purse of anything that exists in the circuit, period. Um, if if you win the next tell uh, NASCAR cup race or sprint, whatever it is now, uh, I don't even watch TV anymore because I focus on food, cooking, barbecue <laughs> all the time. Um, if, if you win um, the FedEx cup and, and golf that is your ultimate payday it's more than any one particular event that maybe for the masters i don't know um when you win the super bowl you win major money because you're the champion and it's 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 a huge bonus i if i were in charge completely in charge um the KCS team of the year would take home an amount of money that's greater than what any one particular event gives them, period. I, I just that that's one missing component. The other thing that's that's kind of a challenge is that it's the Kansas City Barbecue Society instead of the American Barbecue Network mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Um, so we're always going to face that challenge. But I think I think this board of directors has a, a great opportunity in front of them to define a lot of categorizations uh, right now when when someone decides they're going to do a barbecue contest we are getting the lion's share of the of the calls across the nation um, there just last year i tracked this there was 1.5 billion with a b media impressions for the kansas city barbecue society 1.5 billion wow. so you if you're in barbecue and you're in a civic group, and you decide you're going to do a barbecue contest, the first thing you think of is the Kansas City Barbecue Society. So we've done our job in getting that out there, and KCBS has done its job, and so have the teams and the event organizers involved in our network. But when the, when the phone call is answered, 
we're going to have to start um, talking about what kind of contest do you want to do if we really, really want to elevate barbecue or elevate cooking outdoors. Do you want to do um, a Carolina-style barbecue contest? Do you want to do a Memphis-style barbecue contest? Do you want to do a Texas-style barbecue contest? Do you want to do a steak contest? Do you want to do a backyard contest? There's such an opportunity for KTBS as the leader in this industry to to elevate cooking and elevate barbecue uh, and answer all the questions so that we do find all of the answers and and coalesce, funnel those things into something that's good for the entire industry. Um, I, I think we have a great board uh, right now. I think um, they are they're the kinds of people that are going to to ask some tough questions and, and come up with maybe some some answers that are out of the box. So I'm eager to see what happens over the next year. But I think if if we start becoming the barbecue solution, no matter what, no matter how they want to do it, whether it's a, a World Food Championship style or a guinea pig style or a, a, bar, a Memphis style or a KCBS style, if, if we can do that and then we can make sure that the team of the year is the biggest winner we will end up on letterman or not letterman anymore but we'll end up on late show we'll end up on uh, abc morning news our pit masters no longer have to be celebrities but by birth into an industry and by ascending through the industry they will be known as the best in barbecue we have to achieve that mike mcleod joining me here on the show president and ceo of mma creative uh, creator of the World Food Championships, and uh, we were talking about how Sam's Club is getting ready to kick off here before the KCBS uh, conversation that we just had. Uh, Mike, I'm out of time, buddy, but next time uh, it's World Food Championship talk, all right? Sounds great to me. we got uh, eight, eight months of runway, so we got plenty of time to get to it. Always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. All right. Take care, Greg. There he is, Mike McLeod. Wow. Look at him talking about the – KCBS team of the year, and I'm sure there's not a lot of people that are going to not like his stance All guests on, that, right? on the Barbecue Central show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. Should be the highest pay day that they get. What's the highest paying competition? That's what they, they should get more than that. We might want to delve a little bit more into them being the clearinghouse of all sanctioning bodies, if that's what I understood him to say. However, different conversation for a different time, and I appreciate his candor. Again, not reflecting the board there, just talking as a man. All right, Cook Shack manufactures smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience. Whether you barbecue in your backyard, in the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility, Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be on your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoking, grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on these social media platforms, Instagrams, Facebooks, YouTubes, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cook Shack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion. Ed, Fast Eddie Moore. 
The PG-1000 and the FEC-100 are always customer favorites. The PG-1000 can double as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow or hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cookshack Residential Electric Smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cookshack. Passion, dedication drives Cookshack's manufacturing. Quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698 or visit their website, cookshack.com. We're back right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Lots to react to. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. We were just talking about pellets. This portion of the show brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one resource center for quality wood pellets to fire all of your pellet-driven cookers. Or if you just want to buy really good wood pellets to use as like a smoking source or throw on your grill grates for close proximity smoking CPS, I coined that term. You visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also buy it from Amazon.com as well. John Dawson weighing in in the chat room saying, Barbecue has had its run on TV, but I'm afraid it's gone the way of poker. I am not disagreeing with that take because I believe it is well on its way to uh, World Championship Poker or the World Professional Poker or whatever. And if, if Mike is listening right now, what I didn't get to, aside from telling him if has TV barbecue-wise gone stale... The method that continues to prove out is pick a team that is a decent, that has a decent shot at going through, right? But has personality, that has volatility, that might be on the brink of a divorce or a cheating wife or husband or the kid's illegitimate or who knows. And you follow them around to the various events. I would start right at the regional, uh, right at the local event, follow them through the three cooks. If you can position it, as I've always said, with fans of the show and viewers of the show buying into the team and building a personal connection to the team and what they're doing day to day, they don't care if they win. I mean, certainly you want them to move on. You might have to follow a couple different teams, but it's the drama in the life that people are buying into and that are coming back for every week. Nobody cares that the Kardashians don't do anything in real life. They watch because they fight, because one of the husbands is a philanderer or one of the guys goes to the bunny ranch and eats a lot of candy and almost has a heart attack and dies. That's the compelling heartstring tugs that barbecue needs. There's plenty of teams out there to choose from that are really good, that could make a run, top 50, Sam's Club National. And all you have to do is follow them around and then piece it together properly. Build the relationship with the team. I've said it time and time again. Deadliest catch. Nobody gives a shit about their fishing. They're buying to see what's happening between the shipmates. Who cares if the if the crate? You prefer if the cages are empty because then they start yelling more. Same thing with moonshiners. 
What are you going to make? Moonshine. Who cares? You want to watch Bill and Tim Tom get in a fist fight? Because they will. Because they start drinking and then who knows what's going on. That's what you want. This is what will win barbecue back. You won't even realize you're watching a barbecue show until they win. You're like, oh yeah, they're really good barbecuers. There's plenty of teams out there that could do this, that have the skills, that have the cooking chops, that have personality. Follow them through Sam's Club. This is it. Put that show together. Only give me 25% of the gross proceeds. The gross revenues. That's what I want. Now that I have fixed the TV barbecue landscape, we're going to step away and reload here for the second hour. Lots of great stuff coming. I got Horse Meat 2017 updates like you won't believe in many different fashions. Well, two. But it's more than I had last week. It was just one last week, and it was pretty lackluster, i got to be honest. Matt Boer saying Friday night during chicken trimming, that is all about as nasty as the world can get. <laughs> Patio Daddy, Duck Dynasty is in duck calls. I've never seen him make a duck call or never finished one. You get it. All right. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. We broadcast from Cleveland. to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show Boing. we cook because we have to and we grill because we want to hit me fine how you doing <laughs> you have a great show i'm a big fan Boing. so what 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 seems to be the problem here this man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate 54 wiener. Oh, listen, Labernius, shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. <laughs> top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Here we go, folks. Here we go. This is the Barbecue Central Show. Uh, we talk about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling right here each and every Tuesday. Happy that you've joined in. We broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. Mike McLeod was my last segment guest. We tore it up. Ended up going in a completely different direction than I thought we were going to in regards to barbecue television. And that spawned... KCBS conversation and Team of the Year conversation. Strictly his opinion. So, if you have something to react to in that regard, please let me know, and here's how you can do it. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com on the Twitter and Instagrams at BBQCentralShow. All right, so still to come on the show, Dennis McGrath from Porketeers. We're going to be talking about the guinea pig that took place this past weekend. He won that. 
And then we'll also be talking with Scott Roberts from scottrobertsweb.com. He will be reviewing. He's the official Barbecue Central show sauce and rub reviewer. And the same day that Kingsford had sent me their new long burn charcoal, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, is supposed to burn 25% longer than whatever their newest version of their charcoal was. They also sent me three bottles of barbecue sauce. I don't remember the flavors. I did check specifically the ingredients. And what did it have on there? What? Natural flavoring. I know what that means. I know what that means. Liquid smoke. Probably by the boatload. So so I didn't have to try them and look like a meanie. I dialed up my best buddy, Scott Roberts, and I said, Hey, I just got these Kingsford sauces completely unopened. Can I ship them your way? And then next time you're on, we can do a review of the Kingsford sauces. And he, he actually said yes. I was half expecting him to be like, uh, no way. I would never do that. But he bought in. He's going to be the Kingsford sauce reviewer tonight. And I guess if time allots, which I don't know if it will, we'll also go over a rub. But that's 1035 with Scott Roberts. All right, here's your 2017 horse meat update. First and foremost, I don't know if a lot of you are getting tired of the horse meat stuff, but you have to understand this has become a legitimate platform that I am not necessarily running on, that I am running on. And I'm here to tell you that while adults may be growing weary and tired and disgruntled by my incessant Pro horse meat potential eating talk or just allowance. I just wanted to be allowed. The youth of America does keep an open mind. That's right. You you would never think it because they don't talk all the time. Be texting. They are keeping an open mind. Now, rule number one of the show: no names, please. But there is a certain national level J.O. volleyball team that saw this Horse Meat 2017 t-shirt on my person while I was in Chicago this past weekend. And no less than eight of the 11 No Names Please team members wanted to wear this shirt. Wanted to get one. How can I get one? What's more? Because this shirt holds certain responsibility because you are now a walking proselytizer of changing the hearts and minds of the anti-horse meat establishment. Once I explained to them, what I feared the most is that I, once I said, hey, you realize this shirt means you're going to have to tell somebody, hey, I just want to start a conversation about potentially allowing horse meat become legal and being an option to eat amongst all of the other foods and uh, meat that is out there. I thought they were all going to be like, head for Z Hills. No, they were all on board, every single one, even the ones that either A, own horses, or B, ride horses. What else needs to be said? These kids are cool. 
Not only is the shirt cool. Now remember, this no-names team is right at that age where there is a hard line of cool and not cool. This shirt, thanks to John Solberg, very cool. And they buy into the concept. Whoever would have thought kids would be buying into the concept of starting a conversation about seeing if we could get horse meat legalized to be processed and offered as an option to eat with all the other meats? These kids are down. And if these kids are down, I know all the other 16-year-old girls in the country are down as well. Book it. Book it. It's not just because we're from Cleveland. Cleveland. It's not. In Sterling, Virginia, customs agents. Wait, there's this. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Because everybody and their mother was sending me this story over the last couple days on my Facebook page. In Sterling, Virginia, customs agents have seen all sorts of things come through travelers' baggage and what they seized from two women at Washington Dulles International Airport a few weeks ago may take the cake. On January 29th, two women arrived from Mongolia. Customs and Border Protection officers sent them for a routine agricultural examination. I don't even know what the hell that is. What was found inside might turn your stomach. TSA lost in... What? The women had a combined 42 pounds of horse meat concealed inside juice boxes. That includes 13 pounds of horse genitalia. Uh That one of the women claimed was for medical purposes. (laughs) Horse meat is, of course, you know from this show, prohibited from entering in the country unless a traveler has an official government horse meat certification from the country of origination. The concern is bringing foot and mouth disease into the United States and introducing it to livestock here. Customs and Border Patrol take no pleasure in seizing and destroying travelers' food products, said Wayne Biondi, CBP Port Director for the Area Port of Washington Dulles. We're in the business of protecting America's agriculture industries, like the livestock industry, from potential introduction of animal diseases possessed by these unpermitted food products. All the meat was incinerated. By the way, that's exactly what they do to horses that aren't workable anymore. They put them down and they burn them. Uh Safeguarding America's agricultural industries and, by extension, our nation's economy remains an enforcement property for CBP. It's a mission that we take very seriously. The agency's operational commander in the Mid-Atlantic region said in a statement, CBP agricultural specialists inspect more than one million people coming into the U.S. every day. One million. That's a lot. Uh, I'm no mathematician, but that would be a small amount of horse meat potential embezzling, I think. Nobody wants to eat horse meat? These ladies did. Horse genitalia for crying out loud. For medicinal purposes, like weed. Folks, I'm on it again. The 
reminder that we are drawing very, very near to the end of 2017 Barbecue Hall of Fame suggestions for nomination. Now, some of you have been asking about what should I write. Well, first, be sure to somehow specify me into the uh, celebrity category, I I guess. I'm not a pit master. And I, I mean, I could be business. I mean, I make money. Here's an example. Greetings. I'm writing this in hopes that you will enshrine Greg Rempe to the Barbecue Hall of Fame this year. If I had a formal vote, I would surely cast it for Greg. Prior to learning about Greg's radio show, I was passive observant of the barbecue world. Greg and his show have brought me entirely new appreciation for the barbecue scene, the art, the science, the people, all of it. In addition to introducing me to the celebrities of the sport, Greg has introduced me to a plethora of industry suppliers that I would not have otherwise been aware of. I'm not alone, as I have turned on many friends to Greg's show. In turn, their interest, involvement, patronage, and investment into the barbecue culture have grown exponentially. Greg Rempe for Hall of Fame 2017. Thanks in advance for making it happen. That's a good example right there. Building value. Selling me. Sell me. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the longest-running sponsor of the show, The Barbecue Guru. If you've been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this technology. Why are you going to buy from any other company? If you're not familiar with how they work, I'm not going to get down into the minutia here, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature, and one set keeps it at that temperature all the way through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. It's real life. You can take advantage of this technology today because maybe you are a busy working professional or perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids and doing errands. And quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and tend those pit temperatures. I get it. The barbecue guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket or a couple slabs of ribs, and then you're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. And the barbecue guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. Four models. DigiQ DX. The uh, CyberQ, Wi-Fi, PartyQ. Maybe you don't need all of the tech. Maybe you just need something that's going to act as that cruise control for your pits at the temperature, and it keeps it right there. No problem. PartyQ is the one you want. Plus, it's self-contained, runs on AA batteries. You can put it on a bullet style. You can put it on a kettle style. You can put it on a ceramic style. That's great. Now, even better news. There was the original Onyx oven. Now introducing the brand new refreshed Onyx oven. This one is now being tested out in the backyards on the competition circuit. Bob Trudnak has been cooking on one for a number of months now. Testing it out, tweaking it, doing all the good stuff. If you want one, here's what you do. You head on over to the website bbqguru.com. Check out the products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly. 800-288-GURU. They make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Don't guess. Ask questions. Again, 800-288-GURU or bbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology and pretty funny web-based barbecue commercials. Horse meat talk is a buzz in the chat room. I'll pick up on it here in a little bit. And Dennis McGrath coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back.
the only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hi, yo. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Unknown Smoker Accessories, purveyors of made-in-the-USA stainless steel barbecue and smoker lid hinges, barbecue accessory hangers, rocket-hot chimney grillers. Those things are cool. Heavy-duty aluminum foil dispensers. Find products from Unknown Smoker Accessories. Keep your gear where it needs to be. At arm's length, ready for battle. Visit unknownbbq.com slash shop today. Use promo code REMPY for 15% off your entire order. That's promo code REMPY for 15% off. One five. My first guest in the second hour took part in the Matt Dalton Memorial Guinea Pig Contest this past weekend in Indio, California. 49 teams vied for the title of Grand Champion. And when it was all said and done, Porketeers walk away with the win. Here to recap the weekend is the pitmaster, Darren McGrath, joining me here on the Smithfield Hotline. Dennis, how are you? Hey. Hey, I'm doing well, man. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Well, I said Darren. What an idiot. Hey, Sorry. Yeah, hey, it's all right. You, know, you can compare me to Darren. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Um, all right, so Dennis, before we get into uh, the cook this past weekend, uh, maybe just a quick idea about how you got into barbecue and your background in this whole deal. You know, it started in, I guess, at first in 2008. You know, my girlfriend at the time, we went to a competition that was out here in uh, in San Diego, and we actually um, witnessed the competition. We saw uh, a team, um, Vince and Alexa from Rhythm and Q, and I'm like, hey, that was kind of cute. There's a couple team, you know, maybe uh, – my girlfriend and I can do competition like that. So that's how we got involved. And then 2010 was our first competition in Lake Havasu. I think there was around 70 teams and we walked away with eighth in ribs and third in pork. And we were hooked after that. Always easy to get hooked when you do pretty well first time out, right? Exactly. Exactly. And then uh, I think we, you know, for us, for a rookie year, we, we had a pretty, um, good year um during the havasu comp we were 66 and brisket and i was kind of upset about that and so i put all my focus on bricks brisket and then within our first year we received uh, two first place and the second place by the end of the year do you find that uh, i'm going to jump over here just for one second but sure you know when you are a new team starting out and you receive these two or three good category stores uh, scores, but you have one that, you know, as you said, 66, 66 and brisket. Is it easy to turn all of the attention into one without continuing to practice on the other three that were decent? You just kind of chalk those up to being okay and you're going to look at the bad one? Well, I, I think that's what I did because we are the um, porketeers and over the course of our competition history, pork was our worst category until, uh, this last competition where um, we received a third in both the ribs and pork shoulder. So I finally got our team name back. So is Porketeers a, a play on a play on performance or like, how does the team name uh, find its Genesis? You, you know what the, the team name, you know, I guess for being California was kind of, you know, related to growing up and watching the uh, Mouseketeers. And so it's kind of a little play on a, on, on, on a Disney theme. Um, we kind of wanted to come up with a name that was, you know, family-friendly. And if you ever see our logo, it's kind of family-friendly and uh, kind of has, you know, a look of, you know, Disney cartoon characters that my buddy Mike developed for us. 
is the girlfriend that you had mentioned uh, kind of getting into that competition scene, is she like still in the picture or is she out of here? Oh, oh no! Well, she's definitely still in the picture. She's the um, she's now my wife. Oh, good! And, uh, Look at you! Oh yeah, yeah, it's a love yeah. story. Thank God, you know, she allows me to do this, and she's actually, you know, kicking ass in the in the, in the uh, dessert categories. Do, I mean, do you have to surmise? I can't even begin to imagine that I could meet a girl that would find competition barbecue entertaining, let alone be like, hey. We should do this. You had to know, like, right off the bat, this was the one for you, right? Well, you know what? Uh, back in 2009 or in 2008, 2009, she was the one that encouraged me, hey, let's do it. You've always wanted to do the competition. Let's do it. I actually bought a smoker back in 2005 to compete, but I got involved in doing air shows and catering and stuff like that. I never did the competitions. And then uh, she was the one that encouraged me to do competitions in the first place. So I'm a lucky guy. What's her name? Uh, Sherry McGrath. Sherry. Shout out to Sherry. Look at you. You've won the lottery, my friend. All right. So oh, definitely, definitely. Um, so let's go ahead and take a look back at this past weekend. Uh, of course, the event uh, kind of renamed for Matt Dalton, uh, certainly a friend of this show, and enjoyed a number of really good conversations with Matt, uh, both interviewing from a win perspective when they started out like a house of fire, and then. You know, it was it was a great last conversation that I had had with Matt when he started to come back up on the winning side of things, and he was like, "Man, you know, I I was at the at the penthouse, and then we rode the elevator all the way down to the bottom, and then we trudged back up. We went back to our roots and looked back at the recipes and said, "Hey, screw all this weird stuff that we've been doing. Let's get back to what we were doing in the beginning to win and rode the elevator back up." So it was almost like a Full circle from uh, for him when we uh, spoke last, uh, and unfortunately we can't talk anymore. Is there one or right. two things that stick out to you in your mind about Matt, about Left Coast Q, and, and about that team? A couple of things about Matt, which, I mean, we, we've always enjoyed going to a competition where he was competing at. Um, we were there when he won his first reserve grand champion. Um, I mean, I had nothing but respect for Matt. Um, and, and things about him with my conversations with him, like every time, you know, last year we didn't compete a lot. So, you know, we did go to competitions to say hi and Matt would come up to us and he'd show us pictures or he'd talk about stuff. And what was great about Matt was that he would try stuff that I would think about trying, but I never did. He would actually do it and prove that it, if it would work or not, you know? And so, I mean, that's something that I really respect about Matt. Uh, back in 2014, you know, I was having an issue with, you know, hitting the flavor profiles in California, even though I'm from out here. And so I decided to take one of his classes in uh, 2014. is actually his only class that he offered. He, it was him and Three Eyes Barbecue. They had an East Coast, West Coast uh, cooking class. Yep. Um, I signed up at the last minute. I was the first one to show up. It was about three hours away. And I took every single note that he talked about. Um, his flavor profiles and, uh, and I used it in 2014 and I was definitely our, our greatest year. Um, and then even for this last competition at the Guinea pig, I thought it'd be, you know, to honor Matt, I went back and followed all his recipes and it definitely, uh, it definitely paid out. You know, you look, we definitely miss Matt. You look at an evolution of barbecue. I mean, those notes you took were, you know, three going on four years old at this point, and there's been so much change, even from when you got in it 
you know, seven years ago back in 2010, uh, but, you know, fast forward to 2014 until now, there's been a number of things that have changed or, or may have gone in and out of vogue. Maybe they're back in again. Were you surprised that when you go back and, and restudy those note to kind of tribute the recipe and the cook to him that he's like almost looking down on you saying, hey, these notes were good back in 2014. You follow them here at the guinea pig and you're walking away with grand championship. That's kind of unreal. It definitely was unreal. I mean, I wasn't expecting it. I mean, I honestly didn't really care about the outcome. I just wanted to, I wanted to do this for Matt. I mean, it was something that he taught me. He taught the whole class and I just felt, you know what, this is his competition. I'm going to cook these for Matt. Results-wise, through category, chicken fifth, ribs third, pork third, as you had mentioned a couple minutes ago, and then brisket sixth. So certainly from a weekend in, weekend out type of a program, you're going to take those results each and every week you're out there competing, right? No, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. I have no issues with that. (laughs) So the, the question that I need to ask, of course, is do you think... Are the scores comparing to where you thought they might roll out? Do you think you're always going to get first all the time, or do you think you got some better scores than you were kind of figuring you'd get? How does that work? You know what? I mean, honestly, I mean, in in my history, I guess I've always been a good chicken cook and a brisket cook. Um, sure, I would have loved to have first-place brisket. I haven't had that in a while. Um, but I was definitely happy to see that, uh, you know, Rick from Hickory and Spice winning brisket. Um, definitely with chicken, too. I mean, I wanted to win chicken, too. Uh, but the Rice family of Twisted Brisket won chicken, and that was awesome, too. I'm happy for them. But, yeah, I was, you know, at first kind of bummed about that. But I, I was obviously happy with the overall results. It's all about consistency and, and building score to the overall results. So, once well, you get yeah definitely and 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 also I mean during the cook I mean I had issues on the cook I haven't honestly I haven't competed in a long time I didn't I only had one competition in 2016 um, definitely at the guinea pig that, pig that was yes yeah, second competition of the year so we get our meats I run back to the trailer what did I forget cutting boards <laughs> so I was able to you know walk around yeah I mean something that simple I'm like what am I gonna do cut on the table you know so basically <laughs> I was able to um, go to Steve from Vicious Smoke. Hey, you know, do you have a couple cutting boards I could spare? I mean, I would have been happy with two. The guy gave me eight. I mean, what a stand-up guy, right? This is what you consistently hear, though, from competitions, whether you're the big name or just the guy maybe out there doing it for the first time. You walk around, you talk to people, and if whatever you don't have, people just seem to be more than willing to to give you whatever they can to help out. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, something that Matt told me, which I do believe Matt heard – or was told to by Rod Gray, and I also took Rod Gray's class. You know what? I'm not here to beat you. I'm here to win. That's all what it is, you know? And, and I think that that's just the mentality of everyone. I mean, sure, you know, if I don't get a call, but someone else does, I am happy for them, and that's what we want to hear. So as you are getting called out through the overall placements, once you're called for grand champion, and, I mean, there are certainly some great teams you had uh, Lucky's Q, who was a proven big-time competition uh, opponent out there that, I mean, you did win almost by five points. So it was it was pretty considerable. However, a uh, lot of heavy hitters in that field. What's it like to win a uh, grand champion here at this guinea pig? You know, it, it was exciting. And honestly, which is funny, I mean, I know my name got called four times. 
I didn't really hear names after mine. And so when I'm sitting there when they're doing the top 10, I, I'm, for some reason, I'm thinking, oh, I'm not going to get called, but I did. And uh, I mean, it was definitely amazing. And then what was really cool too is the people that came up to me afterwards, you know, to congratulate me, to thank me. Um, Matt's parents, uh, Faith and Frank, approached me to congratulate me, and that was a, a pretty touching moment. Um, what was also too is Darren from Iowa Smoky D's came up to me with a big smile on his face, shook my hand, and you know that was pretty awesome. I mean, I was fortunate enough to cook next to him in November and talk about a consistent cook. I mean, every time I'm looking over at Darren, he's sitting down. I mean, I'm like running around like my you know chicken cut, you know, chicken with his head cut off. I just hope that someday that when I grow up, I could cook like Darren. Well, we all know what it is. It's Sherry doing all the work. Everybody knows yeah. that for crying out loud. <laughs> I'm, de- I'm definitely, definitely thankful for Sherry. I mean, she's, uh, I mean, she's definitely, you know, my biggest supporter, and I definitely couldn't do this without her. Um, talk to me about where this win ranks among some of the other barbecue accomplishments. I know that. Uh, I think it was a year or two ago you had that perfect score at the Jack with brisket, perfect 180. Uh, how does this one right. rank out of some of the accomplishments you've had so far? I, I, honestly, um, I, I would say that, you know, due to the fact that it was, you know, the Matt Dalton Memorial, um, it's up there. I mean, I'm going to – that that for that grand champion trophy uh, is going to definitely hang on a wall and it's going to be, you know, definitely be there to uh, – remember me of Matt. I mean, he, he's definitely a, a great loss in this uh, in the uh, barbecue community. Dennis McGrath joining me here on the show, pitmaster of Porketeers, talking about the big win this past weekend in Indio, California, the guinea pig contest at Matt Dalton Memorial. Um, talk to me about this style of event, just from a high level. There does seem to be some good support continuing to grow in the competition world for this style. What do you like about it, and is there anything that you would like to tweak if you had your druthers? You know, honestly, I don't think there's anything that needs to be tweaked about the event. I definitely enjoy this type of event. I wish there was more. Um, I'll tell you what, the week coming up to the competition was the easiest week ever. I didn't have to worry about pre-trimming meat or anything like that. Um, all the meat was provided there. It was a level playing field. Um, I literally have no complaints to this competition. I, I would do this competition every weekend if I could. This style of competition, you know, is really focused on two things. One, making competition affordable and also paying deep into the categories as well as the overall. So do you think that the teams are seeing the value in the concept and it's attracting folks to give it a try? I mean, I hope it does. Um, Definitely the paying deep part is important and Honestly, I feel that, um, I mean, if my wife and I are selecting competitions to go to, and if we see that, you know, they're paying, you know, overall top five and each category top 10, that's definitely something that we'll choose over a competition that's not doing that. You know, when you were getting into it, I don't know what your thought process was as you were surveilling who was out there competing. And it wasn't on television as much as it was here over the last handful of years. But in general, do you think that the cost of competing is a big barrier to entry for most would-be teams. In other words, do you think that teams think they need to have a 40-foot motorhome and a jambo pit and all this other high-end crap in order to be competitive right out of the box? I don't think they do. Um, I mean, I hate to say, I mean, I I do have a jambo pit, which I'm I'm proud of. Um, 
And unfortunately, I do have a toy hauler. You know, our first few years, we were definitely, you know, going with the 10 by 10 route, you know, on the tents. And uh, I don't think we need that. I mean, I wouldn't mind even, I was even thinking about, we're doing the Sam's Club uh, next in Tucson. And I was thinking about, you know, cutting back on on our footprint size to, um, you know, I guess make it more affordable. Um, Definitely, I encourage teams to help keep the cost down by a generator. You know, I mean, the electrical expense now for for, uh, promoters is incredible. So if we could help out, definitely have a generator that will help out. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I I think that's it. I mean, I know right now in California we've lost four competitions. It's expensive to throw a competition. And, you know, we need to help out to make it more attractive for, you know, people to come by and visit us. How many events are you planning on doing this year, Dennis? You know, this year, you know, we're we're taking a competition at a time, so we'll see. Um, My focus now, I mean, I've never competed in the Sam's Club. The reason being is I've never wanted to go to the finals, but this year, you know, if we're fortunate enough to go to the finals, we definitely will. So we are going to focus on that. Um, I'm hoping that maybe this year we'll be able to do 10 competitions, and then definitely I want to get back involved in competing with the World Food Championship in the Bull Burger Battle. You know, uh, Sam's Club Tour is called the National Pro Barbecue Tour presented by Sam's Club this year. Did you know that? I just heard that when uh, Mr. Mike was talking about it, and I right. think that's awesome. You like the uh, the idea of uh, of promoting that that way? Oh, I think that would be great. I don't see why we wouldn't want to promote it that way. Final question before I let you go tonight, Dennis, and I appreciate the time. Do you think that at this point – because I know in the beginning it, it wasn't the fact, but do you think that West Coast competitors are getting their just due now, or do you still think that there is some disrespect or discounting of the teams that are out there on the left-hand side? I think for some reason, you know, for teams like in the past, Left Coast Q, and, you know, I mean, definitely, you know, Big Papa Smoker, Sterling, I mean, he's winning. I, I think he finished number two, you know, team of the year so. I'm hoping that the West Coast teams are now getting respect. And, we, you know, definitely I would love to have more of the Midwestern teams come out here. You know, bring it. Dennis McGrath is the pitmaster of Porketeers, and they won the past weekend's Matt Dalton Memorial Guinea Pig Contest in Indio, California. Dennis, really appreciate the time tonight. I uh, appreciate you being candid about uh, your thoughts on Matt and on how great of a guy he was. And uh, continued success, my friend. Really appreciate the time. Thank you very much. You got it. There he is. It's Dennis McGrath. Talking about the big win at the guinea pig. You know who else was at the guinea pig? The transition screen that's never coming. That's That was almost there. But these guys were. All guests on the Barbecue Central Show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. What are the chances that he went back to the 2004 recipes that Matt Dalton gave him, refreshed, cooked those recipes this past weekend, and won. Outrageous. That's awesome. Even gone, he has a stronghold over the barbecue and grilling industry, that being Matt Dalton of uh, Left Coast Q. Wow. What a personality. If you never had a chance, and I had... Uh, I think he was on the show maybe three or four times. We had a number of other off-air conversations. Just a uh, a Noel Holds Barred guy, but in a very genuine, 
caring way. Thanks again to Dennis. Folks, the Chops Power Injector is the NBBQA 2015 and 2016 Barbecue Tool of the Year. From the backyard cook like me to the caterers and restaurant chefs and competitors like you, there's a power injector that's just right for you. Let's break it down a little bit. The number one seller is the half-gallon Chops Power Injector System designed for competition cooks or to pump up the backyard warrior. Easy to use. Clean it, fill it, pump it, and away you go. If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Heavens no. Just put in what you need. It uses it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. This one's 100 bucks. plus you pay the shipping. Then you have the one-gallon Chops Power Injector System, designed for catering and bigger jobs. It holds double the amount of the half-gallon. That's why they call it the gallon. See? Some use it in competition, like when you cook MBN whole hog. Or maybe you're doing 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. $120 bucks plus you pay the ship. Then the CHOPS Full Power Injector System, the electric, commercial, and competition Big Daddy. Not a holding tank like the other two. This one's got a three-and-a-half-foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container from a few ounces to a 55-gallon drum. It was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. He said time and time again that with the CHOPS full power injector system, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with metal needle adapters, 14-gauge needles, 3-inch, 12-gauge needles, 2-inch, 11-and-a-half-gauge needles, 3-plug screws, and a needle protector, 325 bucks plus you pay the shipping anywhere. A number of the top pit masters in the world are using the CPI to make their barbecue better than the rest. We live in the foodie world, folks. No denying it. They want flavor in every bite. This is how you can do it and do it fast. Also, not just for meat. Alcohol-infused watermelon, anybody? Or honeydews? Yes, yes. They're all made in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. They got all the extra accessories if you want them. You go to Chops and get your barbecue some power. BarbecueKansasCity.com, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, BarbecueKansasCity.com to pick up your CHOPS power injector system today. We're back with Scott Roberts right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. I welcome you back. And this portion is brought to you by Smithfield, bringing the biggest name in pork. Great opportunities this barbecue season for you folks. Get smoking with Smithfield and learn about their grant program, Committed Cooks program, Smokin' Smokin', S-M-O-K-I-N, smokinwithsmithfield.com is the website to check it out. Thanks to them and their sponsorship of the show. Newly sponsored, by the way. Loving having them on board, of course. All right. My last guest this evening is the official Barbecue Central Show sauce and rub reviewer. Let's waste little to no time by racing over to the Smithfield hotline. And welcoming, welcoming back fiery foods expert, Scott Roberts. Scott, how are you, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Scott. Let me go ahead and 
find where my mouse is so we can make sure that you are up properly. We'll dispatch with Dennis McGrath. And there's Scott yeah, Roberts right like Here I am. That's right. I mean, you almost look alike. I mean, it could be, it could be almost twins, like yes. lost twins at birth, uh, twice separated, whatever. Um, yeah, I have to look into that later. I set it up, this segment, all by myself. And I reached out to a mm-hmm. young Scott Roberts many weeks ago, and I said, hey, I got this Kingsford charcoal. And they just happened to include three bottles of soon-to-be, now maybe, released sauce. I have no interest in tasting those. Would you like them? And without batting an eyelash, you said, yes, send them on over. I'm Bring always up for the challenge. Always. Like this. Sure. Yeah. That's why you are a man and I am a host. So we obviously have three things on the docket to be tasting tonight. Before we do that, uh, any news in the fiery food world that we need to be aware of? Any breaking nothing, news? Nothing breaking, nothing new. Uh, there's a whole slate of hot sauce festivals, expos coming up later this year. Uh, there could be just record breakers and specific Chili pepper eating contest, but uh-huh. nothing as of yet. So all of these different like pepper conventions and expos and all this stuff, something you would normally attend, or do you kind of pick and choose your spots? I do pick and choose. Uh, you know, I cannot hit all of them, and it's just you know, financially just not you know smart for me to go to all of them, travel all over the country. There's a lot of repetition, a lot of the same food vendors that you'll see. Uh, at them, but it's always good to kind of you know see you know bright new hot sauce company. They could be like the next big thing, and I'm always excited to taste their products. And if I love them, it's like yes, there's another one that needs exposure. Uh, all the other things are just um, like the hot the um, chili pepper eating contest, uh, things like that. They're just the icing on the cake. All right, uh, so like the um, fiery food show, that's like the the big one here, or not necessarily. There are several that are pretty big throughout the year. Now, the one you just mentioned, the National Fiery Foods and Barbecue Show out in Albuquerque, yeah. which is just a few weeks from now, oh. uh, the first weekend of uh, March, I believe. I don't remember the exact dates. There's a calendar up on my website. It's scottrobertsweb.com if anybody's interested in that. And then in April, there's the New York City Hot Sauce Expo, and there are a number that are kind of late summer, early fall ones that are pretty big too. All right, uh, Scott Roberts joining me here on the show, scottrobertsweb.com. I wonder what the hell was flickering in your right-hand corner, but I figured it out. Uh, Technical expert here. So let's talk about the sauces that are on tap for this evening. You can start with whatever one you want because I didn't write down the flavors. So uh, let me put the camera back on you, and you can just toss it up there, and we'll go from there. Okay, first one I have on my list is the Kingsford Brown Sugar Applewood BBQ sauce. Um, and like you mentioned, these are one of the, the three that you had sent me. Yep. And it, these, you know, I, I don't want to like spoil the whole thing, but I will just <laughs> say that they're similar in tone yeah, all across be, the board. They do have slight differences. Yeah, that was going to be my uh, question is the they looked so triplet-like. They that, do in a way. Yeah. Um, make no mistake about it. They're made for the masses. They're not going to be for gourmet people, people who want you know just off the wall, uh, really niche flavors. But you know they they you know going into it, I had an open mind and I just yes. wanted to see what they all had to offer. All right, so talk about this. This one, the Applewood Brown Sugar Sauce, uh, this would be closest to a Kansas City-style sauce. No molasses, but it has that heavy brown sugar in it, uh, smoky flavor, 
And just like you, I abhor liquid smoke flavor. Thankfully, it doesn't have that. It has the quote-unquote natural smoke flavor. All right. Um, so, I mean, that's not off-putting. It's it's pretty good in the background. It just kind of hits you uh, super sweet. If that's not your flavor profile, stay away from this. If you happen to like things that are super sweet and will just tend to go good on pork and chicken and everything else, uh, this is kind of right down your alley. This will appeal to you know, just, you know, your Uncle Jim, who's really not in the barbecue, you know, Aunt Martha, people like that who, um, you know, aren't into all the uh, bizarre flavor combinations that we, you know, backyard cooks, you know, we kind of play around with. It's non-offensive, super sweet, not too bad, uh, but not exactly my favorite kind of sauce. All right. So let me ask you this question, because it's not offensive and it's not too bad and it's kind of middle of the road. Would you say that a team on the competition circuit could use it as either by itself or as a base and get away with it? I would only say as a base. By itself, no, nah, it's just not going to rise above everything else. It just doesn't have that punch to it. It's it's way too sweet for that. If you mix it in with other things, um, you know, maybe a little bit more vinegar, a little bit more tomato presence – it might be a possibility, but I don't suggest any competition teams go out with a sauce. All right. Uh, this is strictly for the home, I think. Um, well, I don't think we have, like, price, uh, but, like, how much is, comes in that jar, and uh, what do you what do you rate it? Well, all these are in 18-ounce jars. Uh, the suggested re- retail price, I looked it up, it is two ninety nine right. for one of our – it is available in supermarkets. And I think um, sometime soon – Either by the end of this month or in March, they should be available all across the nation. Uh, as far as a rating, yes. this would have to be a backyard griller. Oh, really? Yikes! Not a rib boiler. That's all, but that's only it. That's like the Not only a rib step boiler. Down. Yeah, it's a little better. It's it's okay. Nothing to rave about. All right, what's the next one? Next one is the original smoked hickory one. Uh, this one less of a sweet presence, but to me, I think when Kingsford had something more of just right down the line, middle of the road, uh, maybe even a quote-unquote flagship product. They kind of went with this one. It's uh, less sweet, a little bit more smoky. It's probably the smokiest of the three. And it has a a pretty good hickory flavor, uh, pretty good sweetness, a little tartness on the back end. And to me, uh, I don't remember what order I tasted these in, but when I kind of formally reviewed them, I uh, wrote down my notes. This was the second one, and it actually you know, raised my opinion of all three of them, thankfully, uh, that you know, it didn't completely go in the trash can. So uh, this is a better one, the uh, hickory smoked one, and it's pretty good. Again, kind of non-offensive, but a little better if uh, – if, if you don't want things that are sugary, super sweet all the time. There's a great question in the chat room here from Matt Boer, and he says, how do you, how does it compare, and the other one, how does it compare to Sweet Baby Ray's? Because that's what he compares all mass-produced sauces to. Which So I'm guessing that he holds Sweet yeah. Baby Ray's as kind of the standard, which I would imagine most people do. So how would these compare and contrast? Yeah. Sweet Baby Ray's, I love it. It's, yeah. it's the best of the mass-produced sauces, in my opinion. Uh, Sweet Baby Ray's just is that perfect balance, I think, of everything like that. Um, the first one, way too sweet. This one 
has more of a smoky punch to it, um, but but it's just it's slightly off in certain areas, um, and it's it's it definitely not as good, and it, it just kind of missing a few components, maybe a little bit of pepperiness, uh, maybe uh, something. Uh, Kind of aromatic, maybe garlic or something like that. There, there could be a number of spices that it could be kind of punched up on certain levels to make it a more complete balanced sauce. All right, uh, where do you rate it? Same thing, a backyard griller. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, it's hard to kind of uh, rate this between a backyard griller and a top ten call, but I probably would somewhere right in oh, there. All right, which might be about a three and a half out of five. So it's a little better. It's a little better than average. All right, that's say. good. A little better than average. Yeah. Always so better to be better than average if possible. Yes. Uh, what's the last one? Last one is the honey jalapeno mesquite, Ooh. and this is both very disappointing oh. and very enlightening too. Oh. Um, you would expect mesquite, really dark, heavy, smoky yep. presence. It could potentially have honey. It could be super sweet. Jalapeno, it could just knock you out with some great peppery flavor and heat. It is bland. Uh, it's the least smoky out of the three, uh, though you do kind of get some of the dark mesquite uh, presence in the back of the throat after you consume a whole lot of it. Uh, definitely doesn't have any bite to it, uh, but at the same time, it's just kind of smooth, uh, even though it's plain. Again, I hate to use the word non-offensive, but again, that's just kind of what uh, Kingsford is going for here. Um, yeah, I, I don't want that to be kind of a covering up for uh, completely bland or anything like that. But in a lot of ways, I like this one the best. Really? Uh, simply because it just had that um, – just the kind of smoothness, really. And to me, it's not that it tastes like a really smooth honey mustard, but just kind of that uh, sensation in the mouth, on the tongue. Hey, gang, sorry. I don't know what happened, but right at the end of the Scott Roberts interview, my video froze, my audio froze. So we were pretty much done with Scott, uh, but I do want to say that we have a great show planned for next week. September 11, 2001, I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.